Welcome to the Pivoting Out of Education podcast, where hosts Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Studdard will share their stories of folks who have left campus-based positions in education and K-12 to leverage their skills in other contexts. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average person holds 12 jobs between the ages of 18 and 50. Educators, like Jamie and Tom, often enter their careers thinking they will stay in education forever, perhaps because they're trained to think that way, or perhaps it is hard to see other pathways. Both of your hosts pivoted out of campus-based positions and are loving it. Now they want to give back and support others trying to do the same. Thanks for listening in and enjoy today's episode of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Studdert. And I'm Jamie Hoffman. And welcome to the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. Today, we're really excited to welcome the Chief Human Resources Officer at Zoom Info, Alyssa Lahar. Alyssa, say hello to our guests. Hi, thank you for having me, Tom and Jamie. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You know, one of the things that we talked about quite a bit on this podcast are stories of folks who have made the pivot out of higher education into the corporate world. But one of the things that we think is really important to do as well is to make sure that we're not just offering the advice that Jamie and Tom have, even though we think we're experts, but to make sure that we're bringing in some folks from the corporate world who can provide us some really solid advice and expertise on things to look for, things to do, and things to really think about as folks are making the pivot. And so, Alyssa, really excited to have you join us today and, and provide that expertise to our guests. I'm hoping that you can share a little bit about your background and what it is that you do at ZoomInfo. Great, thank you. I started with a pretty traditional journey. I started in HR the summer before my senior year of college. I worked in a recruiting agency. My first job after college was as a compensation analyst. From there, I went to a company called EMC, which was later acquired by Dell, uh, again, to work in recruiting. And I spent 19 years there. I had the opportunity to work for and partner with some amazing leaders. And I worked during those 19 years in recruiting as HR program management, as an HR business partner. I worked across sales, engineering, services. And so I think those things all really prepared me for my current role, which is to have broad knowledge across all the areas of the organization. When Henry reached out for this role here at Zoom Info, after our very first meeting, there was no question that this is where I was meant to be. His passion was contagious. The priority he places and continues to place on employees is is something that's a dream to anyone in human resources. So, Alyssa, listen, I I gotta meet Henry because. Tom talks about how amazing he is, and now you have. So, like, I think I feel like we just need to have Henry on one of these episodes. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to talk about, about pivoting, but I think we should figure it out. He's uh, a but, wealth of knowledge and can pretty much talk about any topic. Oh, okay, then. I feel like we just, we need to have him on just so that I can meet, meet him. So, <laughs> we'll tag him on this post. But, Tom, go ahead. What were you going to say? So Alyssa, I'm curious, because you mentioned, you know, sort of knowing right away, what was it about sort of the culture of Zoom Info that really attracted you and got you excited about not just Zoom Info, but also the world of human resources? Because if, if I remember correctly, you are the first CHRO of the organization. And so what really sort of drew you into 
not only the company, but also like this new role at this sort of burgeoning company? I was excited about the opportunity to take all the incredible things that had already been done and established in HR and scale that as the company grew. So that was really attractive to me. I loved my experience in compensation. I, I liked my time in recruiting and as an HR business partner. So I thought it was a good opportunity to make use of all that experience and bring it all together in this role. What attracted me specifically about Zoom Info, number one is the pace. I love working at a fast paced company. I love how agile we are. And I love that everyone's really given the autonomy to innovate within their own space. And I remember one of the first weeks I was here, I had this idea and I brought it to Henry and he just kind of looked at me with a blank face, like, why are you, what? And great, go for it. And so I wasn't used to kind of being able to go from conception to execution in like a day's time. So that all of that is just really attractive. That's, that's, it's funny that you talk about it in that way, because that has been something that has been a thread for people just talking about leaving a campus-based position where change is like super slow. But it sounds just in general that that is something that isn't always found in all positions in even in corporate organizations as well. But I know you alluded to this, Tom, but the question I wanted to follow up with is sort of how did you know when you, you know, were in college that you wanted to pursue HR, did you have any pivotal, like, this is the moment where I've decided I want to do this? Or did you just sort of land into it? I wish I had one of those stories. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I kind of fell into it by accident that summer before my senior year. It was an opportunity to work, as I said, as a recruiter in an agency setting, and I just really enjoyed it. I loved building those relationships with candidates. I loved on the customer side, the sales aspect and getting new opportunities for people. And I just enjoyed it. And so when I graduated, I fell into a compensation job, which is, is for me, I, I like the analytical piece. So I thought that I would actually stay in compensation and and it seems like every part of HR I tried, I loved more than, than that before it. I mean, eventually I realized I loved it all. So I'm sure you love the learning and development side the best, right, Alyssa? A hundred percent. And and definitely meeting new team members who help to steer that area, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, super. I, I feel like I get asked like 80 questions about your journey, which I think maybe means that I have some sort of a like hidden interest in HR. I don't know, maybe. But I think a lot of our listeners probably too, do as well. But, you know, folks are thinking about what do I want to do? And, and that is part of why we wanted to talk with you from an HR lens as far as a pathway, but, you know, a variety of other pathways that are available as well. And so just to start kind of thinking in that direction, when you think about talent acquisition and hiring, I mean, do you have a sort of general philosophy or kind of key like lens with which you approach a search process and what are what are things that candidates should know about before they're applying. And Tom and I argue often about whether or not you can have color on your resume. And I'm like, stand out. And he's like, no, don't. Of course, that's a very granular example, but just broadly, philosophically, what thoughts do you have on that? I think it's probably subjective. I personally would love some color on a resume. 
Ooh, I win. I win. Tom. Sorry. That doesn't necessarily. Tom, you can stay boring and Alyssa and I will have all the color. I'll let the 85 people in my org know. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important that when people come in, they they're themselves and that they're not trying to conform to what they think the company wants. Cause long-term it's not going to be a good fit. And it's also the applicant's job to interview the company and, and to make sure that it's a match on their side as well. They have lots of choices and lots of opportunities. And it's, I think sometimes when we are in that seat, we feel like it's our job to sell the company on us, but it's also our job at the company to, to sell the candidate on why we're the best choice for them. So I would say when you go in, candidates should go in just being themselves, being authentic and and see if that's the right match for them. On resumes, I would say, I think I take this for granted, but you'd be surprised. Spelling, grammar, like it matters. And so from that, we would conclude, okay, this person may or may not have a great attention to detail, or this person may or may not prioritize written communication and so forth. So it's really important, um, be as colorful as you want, but make sure that the grammar and the spelling is, is where it needs to be. Be concise and don't use a lot of acronyms. I know we can all get carried away with that, but I, and I would say as much as you can personalize it to the company you're applying to, companies want to feel like you want to work for them. And so and so reading through and just changing a couple of things to really align with the specific job, company, industry that you're, you're looking at goes a long way. So can I dig into that a little bit, Alyssa, particularly related to the resume and even to interviewing, you know, sort of the next step in the process. How, how does one communicate beyond sort of, quote unquote, mimicking the job description? How does one communicate you know, whether or not they're going to be a cultural add to the organization, sort of a fit with the team that they might be applying to. How, how do you glean that from a resume and from an, and even from an interview, but more particularly from a resume, because it's, you know, particularly in the world today where people are applying for jobs and there may be hundreds to 200s to 300s of candidates and they're trying to stick out a little bit. And, you know, yes, we laugh about, you know, having color on your resume and that might help it stand out. But what are the, beyond sort of the spelling and grammar What are the things that really help somebody sort of stick out in your mind when you're shuffling through potentially hundreds of of candidates? So reaching out to someone on LinkedIn and goes a long way. If you take the effort to kind of run down who the person is and express your interest, it be, again, a personalized note, not sort of this obvious generic note. I will never not respond to somebody that way. And I will always get them to the right person from there, whether or not they're the right fit, you know, it, they'll go through the process, but I'll always make sure that their application finds its way to the right recruiter. So I think that's a nice step people can take. I think on the resume demonstrating success. So any sort of objective components that you can add to your resume around the, not just the task that you did, but the result that it had. I think that's all very transferable and it's, it's nice to see. I'm really glad that you said the results piece, because that's been sort of the, one of the themes that Jamie and I have been talking about in higher education, 
we have four, five, six page resumes. You know, my resume was massive because it had every course I ever taught, every publication I ever put together, every presentation I ever did. And the focus of our resume was always on the responsibilities. And what we've been talking about in this podcast is when you write your resume for corporate, the emphasis has to be on those results. It, ha- it, it has to be on year over year growth. And, and I talk a lot about, you know, quantifying the metrics on your resume so that you can show that to your employer. So I'm, I'm really thankful that you, that you sort of accented that. And I, and I get a sense that that's really important. Flipping from the resume to the interview, what are some of the things that you look for and that really stand out in an interview for a candidate that's made it to that, that step in the process? I think communication is really important to me. And by communication, I mean being able to talk about the work that they've done and the results that their work had for the whatever it is in this in this case, whether it's the classroom or whatever area. I think for me, and, and again, I think the art of recruiting can be very subjective. For me, loyalty is always something I look for. And you can kind of glean that from some of the stories and examples that people share or how long they've been at companies is sometimes a, a good way to assess that. But loyalty is something that is important to me. I think showing that they're collaborative is really important. When you get into the corporate world, you're going to have to work with people cross-functionally, different levels of the organization. So lack of ego for me is also very important. Somebody who feels that that they're open to working with all levels of the organization and, and whatnot is, is really important to me. And you you said it before I had a chance to, but not just culture fit, but culture add is really important where, where they're going to bring themselves and their whole self into the company is something that's really important to me, especially here at Zoom Info. I think because inclusivity is so important that that people who are genuine and are 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 great to have. I know that's something that resonates a lot with people from our background as student affairs because I think a lot of times we're trained to be to not well it's actually ironic I think there's a narrative about bringing your full self but then it's like oh but you're a new professional I and mean, we don't want you saying those things. Well, listen, Alyssa, I have to ask you another, can you do another like tiebreaker between Tom and I? Because I feel like this is the chance for me to, I would love to. to win again. <laughs> Tom really doesn't like cover letters and I can't say that I like them, but I have found them to be, I mean, I don't like reading them and I certainly don't like writing them, but I have actually found them to be a good way for me to better understand fit to determine who's going to make it through the next level of a search process. So, so this point's going to go to you Tom. like them. Dang it. <laughs> yes, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. Look, I think cover letters take a lot of time on the candidate side to write. And I don't think that they're necessarily given the priority. And when, when you have hundreds of resumes to look through, the focus is going to be on the resumes and not necessarily the cover letters. So I would say that the candidate could probably save some of that time and, and make sure their resume is on point, then spend that time focusing on a, on a cover letter. Well, I used to like you, Alyssa. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, <laughs> I feel like we look, need a third one now. Oh, don't worry. We have plenty of things we disagree on. I'll think of another one before we're done today. But 
this one's a good one that was a good one to disagree on and to have your response because I hate writing cover letters so (laughs) our next question is that you know we're we have an audience of people who are in education and very very understanding of the educational hierarchy and positions etc but corporate is totally new space for them I think some have, when they're thinking about different functional areas, they may think of HR because they see some similarities. But outside of that, I think there's a general unfamiliarity with what the possibilities are. So what would you say are the primary functional areas of a business specifically that people should consider transferring into? So I am actually pretty passionate about this topic. My dad taught for 35 years. My mom was assistant superintendent. My husband's a principal. So I am surrounded by educators. And, wow. Yeah. Do we need to talk about you pivoting into education? Because we could do that on here too. <laughs> Just no. kidding. If you listen to our episodes, that's not where we're going to end up. <laughs> um, but I feel like I have a good sense of what education and the demands on education. And I think there are a lot of transferable skills. I think people in education, whether it's students or parents or administration, you know, that's very similar in the business world to your team and your coworkers and your boss. I think organization, project management, those are all transferable skills the education world typically tends to be have a very small budget and a lot of constraints. And so I think people in education have to get crafty and creative. And so I think that's something that lends itself to the corporate world. I think people who are looking to make that shift shouldn't, shouldn't sell themselves short or, or think that their skills are not necessarily transferable skills because they are in in every sense. I mean, customer service, all of it. So I think what I would say is there's, there's lots of opportunities. I think the obvious ones are training, human resources, customer support, but I would say that it goes beyond that and anything that someone might be passionate about, because ultimately if you have the aptitude and the interest in it, you know, you're going to go be successful And so I think whatever someone is passionate about, try to network and find people in the business world with those types of interests and responsibilities. And then from there, sort of try to understand how you can grow that into a full-time corporate business world job. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you point out those particular fields, Alyssa, because when I made the pivot from education, I, I think you know this, I started in the L&D space, primarily on the employee side. And then I moved into the customer side and then I inherited customer support. Certainly areas that, you know, you're right. There was a lot of trans- transferable skills between those areas, you know, dealing with a parent who's screaming at me because their student couldn't get into his particular class is no different than dealing with a customer who is yelling at me because they can't get into the platform. So I, I, I certainly understand that. And, and I think what's interesting is those were my first two, but I've certainly grown. I've taken on integrations. I've taken on implementations. I've taken on onboarding. And I think you're right. You you find your in and you start to develop these skills. And, and while I was lucky enough to sort of start at what was then a startup and have, have grown up with that startup, it's it, I love that you pointed out those particular areas just because there's a lot of, they resonate quite quite well with me. 
and and as you all know, it's it really is all about me. Um, so <laughs> I, I Wait, can we vote it. on that one? I was just gonna say now that could be the one that we vote on. Um, watch out! Watch out! So, Alyssa, you know we we've we've sort of talked through the process, the resume, the interview, and and you know now we're at the point where perhaps you're narrowing down who you're going to select. What what are you looking for in those candidates, and 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 both on the soft skill and the hard skill, and and then also, what are some of the potential barriers or the potential sort of certifications maybe that you're looking for? You know, I, I think a lot of our listeners, a, a good majority of our listeners, if they're in student affairs, probably have a master's degree. They may have doctorates in, in higher education. You know, so they might think, oh, I don't have an MBA. I don't have enough business experience. Are, are there certain things that you're looking for from a certification perspective, years of experience, et cetera? That, that really help a candidate sort of rise to the top to be the final person that is selected? I think that's also, I, I think that's also subjective. I know that recruiters within the HR team here, some tend to put more emphasis on specific certifications than others. For me personally, I don't necessarily look at certifications as much as I do the aptitude and the commitment and the interest of a particular candidate. I think if a person shows that they can and want to learn something, I think that that says a lot and I'd be more willing to work with that individual and help them realize their next role than somebody who may have a specific certification listed on a resume, but when you talk to them, they're not passionate about the work and whatnot. That makes a lot of sense. And I imagine it's it's position specific. I and mean, we we plan season two to kind of actually dig in on specific positions to help kind of unpack that for for people. But speaking broadly, you you definitely have a good understanding, it sounds like from your family, someone in education and the challenges they face, but the the skills that they have and that they they can bring over. How do you think that someone who is from an education background should speak specifically about their skill set working on campuses or working with students into kind of the various roles that you would be looking to fill? I think it probably depends on the role that they're looking for. Some are probably more obvious than others. For instance, if somebody was currently a college professor and wanted to go into L&D, learning and development, that's a pretty obvious transition. But if somebody was maybe they're, they're teaching engineering and they want to become an engineer, I, I think that there's opportunities for them to focus on the skills and the, the additional expertise they bring to the table that maybe a traditional candidate wouldn't. So for instance, not only do they maybe know how to write code, they also have experience teaching that. So they could take on a mentor role to others. So I think it's about them sort of selling their additional expertise outside of sort of the the obvious. That's a really, really neat way to look at it. And I'm not even sure I thought of that. You know, I think that as we've talked through some of the folks who've been on the podcast so far, a lot of what we talk about is that sort of direct correlation. I did X so I can do X over here. A great example is I did 
new student orientation so I can do new hire onboarding. And, and we don't think about sort of the other sort of ancillary pieces to our job, like you talked about, particularly, you know, somebody who's teaching coding could not just be a coder, but could help new hires come on. And I think that that's a really unique way to look at it for those who are looking to pivot out of education. So I appreciate that. You know, Alyssa, I only have one more question and then, you know, we'll see if we can come up with that tiebreaker beyond if everybody thinks the world revolves around Tom is, you know, additional general advice that you have for folks who are thinking about making that pivot out of education and coming into the corporate world. Number one, hit me up. We're we're hiring like crazy at Zoom Info. So would love to hear. No doubt that your listening base are, are talented and smart individuals. So that would be number one. But number two, I think to make sure that when, when they're looking at opportunities or looking at potential companies, they're, they're doing their research to make sure that they're passionate about that type of work. They're passionate about the company, the industry. They understand the competitive advantage that they that they're really able to speak to the opportunity. Because I think ultimately that will show during the conversations and whatnot. And if they're passionate about the work, I think passion is the most important and critical aspect to being successful in any role. And so I think that will really show and, and resonate with whoever's doing the interviews. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I think that, you know, I know from my experience and I feel like I've interviewed a, a good few folks in the last couple of years since I made the transition. And I think somebody who has the passion, it far outweighs the experience. And I always talk about, even with the people that are on my team now, I can teach you how to do to do the tasks. I can teach you how to do the thing. What I can't teach you is how to be excited about getting up every morning and coming in and doing this role. I can't teach you about being passionate about your love of customers or your customer service, et cetera. And so I think that, that that's a, a really great point to make. So, And um, I think finding an advocate, right? Someone to advocate for you. If you can, if you have people in your network, and even if they'll do just informational interviews with you, just to kind of get some practice, learn about specific roles or whatnot, if you can find those types of people in, in your respective network, I think that's a huge help of, as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I, I, I tell folks a lot, you know, the university is, is a business, even though those who, of us who worked in student affairs did not like to ever call it that. But a university has a human resources, a university has a marketing team, and to potentially even network within the university to start to build those, those relationships and, and even potentially shadow or go, you know, do those informational interviews is a good sort of foot in, foot out possibility for folks who are nervous about leaving the quote unquote bubble of a campus, but also are, you know, no longer interested in, you know, working football games every Saturday and basketball games every, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa, I have to say, it's been great to have you on the show. Ultimately, you know, we know that the experience of somebody in your role is, is far more important for our listeners than those of us who you know, have just sort of maybe ancillary experienced it because you have lived in it and breathed it. And I think the advice that you provided to our listeners is something that they'll take hold and, and really be able to think about as they're preparing for their pivot, whether that's the initial search, the resume building, interviewing, or, or potentially even getting that, that first job and, and taking that first, that first leap into the corporate world. So really appreciate you being with us today. For our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode with Alyssa Lahar, the CHRO at Zoom Info. Please stay tuned for our next episode next week and make sure that you visit our website at pivotingoutofedu.com. 
As always, thank you to our guests for joining us. Additionally, special thanks to our sound editor, John Alexander. We spend one third of our life at work. It should be something we believe in and have a passion for. It's okay if that passion changes. If you are thinking about pivoting out of education or know someone who is, visit our website at pivotingoutofedu.com for advice, testimonials, and blog articles. Have advice to share or would like a private consultation? Contact Jamie or Tom via the website or at pivotingoutofedu at gmail.com.